Welcome back, everybody. Hello, everyone. All right, part one of a series of podcasts we are doing in the very long title. We titled it The Road to Bethel Podcast. The reason why we're titling that is because we are going to ultimately end up at Bethel. Yep. And uh, with that, I mean that I have, we have two very dear uh, family members of ours that live in Redding, California, which is where Bethel is located. And do we have a podcast for you when we finally do that? Because that is, um, I know cultish, they have dealt with it. I have seen a few other people that have, have, have tackled Bethel, um, but they definitely don't have the angle that we have. Um, you know, like I said, with a, with a couple living in that town and growing up in the church. Because I think it's one thing to say, I mean, I think <clears throat> most people who really spend any time taking into scripture and understanding what God's word actually says and what that actually looks like, you can look at a church like Bethel and go, that's insanity. That That is not what God's word says. This is absolutely insane. I mean, truly it is. And we can see different things of people coming out from kind of like the inside, you know, cult, that's where cultish, or they've done mm. some of those interviews. Oh, and like, they did great. And they did great. They were fantastic to see from like that insider's view of like legit, this stuff is nuts. I mean, their, their school and I mean, all of the stuff, it's just crazy. But having these friends that live in Reading, it's like every time they talk to us about and grew up I and mean, grew up. Know, yeah. Like, it's not like they it. just moved there. They're yeah. like new on the block, but every time we have ever talked about Bethel with them, it's like our minds are blown. Cause we're like, are you kidding me? Like, how do people not know this stuff? Uh, you know what a I mean? A lot because of this, a lot of the stuff that they have shared, I had never heard before. Mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. And this, and I mean, I have, I have dove into the all of the Bethel things. Oh, you've um, been studying you know, the Bethel I, stuff I, I for have. years. I've been yeah. into it for a while, and I had never heard a few of these things, and I was shocked. So, um, I we can't wait to to bring that to you. So, um, obviously, I know they are. Stay um, tuned. It's they're on not, the way. I they are you. <laughs> they are eager, but they are very nervous. Uh, to share their stories, but once it gets going, it's going to be amazing. So yeah. that's where we're going to ultimately lead up. But before we get there, I need to get to a couple things first. I need to get to the the first of all, what it is that we're we're dealing with here, what the ultimate problem is. But at the beginning of uh, the title, I say this is a message to pastors from somebody who's been dealing with your failures and this is ultimately for the past two years engaging with people just like this and speaking to them and just hearing and learning the doctrine that they've been taught that they've been fed and this has been something that we've been able to do all around the country so you've been able to get a good sense of what churches are teaching as a whole, what's the doctrine that's out there, what's popular, what people are listening to, Christian music, 
all this kind of stuff. You get a sense of what people know. And, and obviously in our day and age of technology where we're at the f in our access to information and anything that we want at our fingertips, um, that that gives us a brilliant window into what's really going on. And there's so many problems, which I can't tackle every single one in this podcast, but I'm going to focus more so on one that does ultimately lead to Bethel. And the problem is, is this stuff has seeped into solid doctrine and solid teachers music and and that's our main issue is that it's come through music bethel is what spawned jesus culture jesus culture is one of the most played you know now with all of these instagram stories and facebook stories and things like this now anybody who's claiming i've seen christians claim you know you know professing christians who yeah. i thought were like completely solid yeah. in doctrine who are you know playing this along with that and i'm going how do you not know how do you not under do you, do you really not understand these things this is in in i mean majority of this music is nothing short of heresy and i tick people off every single time that i say that because you know the defense crowd comes out and it, there has been a um you know the defense now have organized a defense against this which Ultimately, it just runs in circles is, is ultimately what it does is you're arguing uh, against which, you know, this is what a defense does. It's a it's your typical defense. Uh, but when you're in a case that you're guilty, you know what I mean? It's just you, you keep running around the same points and, and trying to push this away from what you actually are and calling yourself a spade a spade. So you know, ultimately it goes for music and, and all that. But a lot of this doctrine, a lot of this thinking has infected, uh, you know, our, our pastors and our teachers, because I've talked to pastors and things that would, uh, you know, affirm certain truths of scripture. I go, okay, but what you're saying or what you're teaching or what you're presenting doesn't line up with what you just said. Um, it, is it that you don't understand this? Or in this case, I believe it is just seeped in and pastors and, and teachers need to be more discerning. This bad doctrine, we've got to let it go. It's not okay. It's not okay to just, you know, have solid teachings, but then play Jesus culture and all of these 
um, you know, the horrible Hillsong, you know. Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, the all deal. of the junk. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about Elevation. Thank you for But that's me. what so many people do. I mean, we've even had, you know, somebody who listened to one of our podcasts once when you were talking about the music, and she was like, well, my church plays Jesus Culture all the time. And so she went to, you know, and she asked us about it. We're like, no, like, this stuff isn't okay. Because everybody goes, oh, well, it's just music. It doesn't mean necessarily everything in the music is wrong and yada, yada, whatever. It's like, okay, but you're still supporting complete heretics. And the pastor could not answer Well, yeah, she asked the the pastor about it, and then he was like, well, I don't know. That was the the worship leader's, you know, call. And it's like, how would you as the pastor, you have no idea what's being played in your church. Like, that's scary, number one. But then she, I guess the pastor talked to the worship leader, and then it came back, and it was like, oh, well, don't worry. Jesus culture is different. You don't need to worry about that. And we're like... This isn't like That's on, this conspiracy is on the theory stuff. Yeah, I mean, no, this, this is, is very simple stuff. And as the pastors, like you're supposed to be protecting your flock. You're supposed to be leading your flock. And yes, it's a very, very weighty calling. Absolutely, we understand that. But it's important. Yeah, and you understand that shepherds, a shepherd's job is to protect you from wolves. That's what your job is. So a shepherd must fight wolves off from time to time so it is your job as a teacher to understand what these wolves are and not just be okay with it i'm i don't mean to i didn't mean for this to take this turn but this is just what i know because this is what i grew up with a majority of my life my my biggest example for this would be Calvary Chapel and the way that Calvary Chapel, not only some of their teachings, but also their acceptance of a lot of this stuff. Like when you look at a, a certain, Cal- not all Calvary Chapels are the same, but when you look at certain Calvary Chapels, they look like Bethel Light. And they sound exactly like it. And matter of fact, some of them are even bringing in some of this doctrine. I'm going, wait a minute. Calvary Chapel is largely, they're, they're charismatic, but they're largely premillennial. They're largely, you know, have some, some solid foundations. Um, but yet they're bringing this doctrine in of this, what's called the kingdom now. Um, like, you know, they're, they're the, on the extreme side of it. Um, I'm not talking necessarily about, um, you know, the, the biblical argument that's made for post-millennialism, amillennialism, whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the extremes of this, that even somebody that would hold to those you know uh, separate viewpoints that they would say yeah that's not what that's not what we're doing either that's not that's not what what the kingdom is all about that's not you know so they would even deny some of that stuff but a lot of this stuff is being brought into this and i hear it consistently um like i said i'm a fan of like i think um the best example and to me i think he's more of a bible church i don't even know why he calls himself calvary chapel but jd farag um jd is solid uh you know he doesn't he doesn't subscribe to all this this other stuff 
his worship music that he, I don't know. I could be, you know, proven wrong if, if maybe he does sing some of these songs in his church. I highly doubt that that's the case, but it, you know, it could be possible and I could be proven wrong. Um, but, and I really do like him, but then I go and I listen to a person like Jack Hibbs, and these are two of the biggest examples. And I hear a lot of stuff that Jack is saying, and I'm like, dude, this is really just, you really need to be better at discerning. Uh, you need to phrase things differently, and you've just got some flat bad doctrine. And it doesn't sound the same. I mean, some of it does, but not all of it. Um, but the problem is, is, you know, and I, I line up, I obviously line up with, you know, premillennial theology, and that's dispensational theology is what I teach. And uh, I, I understand and fully believe that, but I also understand that this viewpoint tends to hold a very, very charismatic side to it. And so charismatic that it's bringing in false teachings and bringing in things, as I said, Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, all of these things where, you know, we look at Stephen Furtick, he can't correctly, you know, he, he has difficulty describing the Trinity and as well as his best friend and who he's gone and, and taught in his church, but T.D. Jakes is a oneness Pentecostal. He does not believe in the Trinity. And that's, that's a salvational issue. That's a huge salvational issue. So this, this wolf that's associating with this even worse wolf, they're both wolves. But yet you want to sing elevation music and do this stuff and act like it's no big deal. Like, it is. oh, I know the difference. Maybe I don't believe in that. Uh, it's just music. But the lyrics in this song aren't bad, right? We have all these reasons for why it's okay to still be engaging in these, these music and these artists and things that come from absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, heretics. Right. And I know somebody here. That's like me saying, like, it's okay. The babysitter was just trained up by John Wayne Gacy, and so I'm okay with them taking care of my kids. It's not John Wayne Gacy himself. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, you put that in any other context, and we'd be like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to have nothing to do with it. Okay, thanks. Right. Why is it so hard to comprehend here? Don't Right. Care. And... On no matter what side you land on, on thinking if the church is somehow going to be victorious in this world and you somehow believe that there's going to be a, a massive reformation of Christianity that's just going to spread again, regardless if you believe that or you believe that obviously we are, uh, uh, def like we are, you know, uh, a very small remnant, uh, the church is not. Uh, you know, some huge, um, you know, as we, as we consider it, some, some huge entity that's just, you know, everything's all, you know, hunky-dory with, I guess. But <clears throat> um, no matter which side 
that you land on there in the middle we have to meet from somebody you know no matter which viewpoint you would hold and say that either two of those extremes are dangerous so i can recognize that somebody that believes the way that i teach and and the way that that scripture is interpreted I can recognize that people can be overly charismatic and take this too far and they can end up, some of them can end up, you know, uh, on their roofs, just waiting for Jesus to rapture them out. And they're just, you know, praying for the rapture, you know, every single day, you know, like I can understand the damage in that side. Um, but there's really a, a and a, there's, there's a whole lot of damage that can be done when you say, that the kingdom is here and now because that way you can have people that take that and abuse it like Bethel and like Hillsong, things like that. Not necessarily dogging on, as I said, post-millennialism and, and not saying that there's not a valid biblical argument for these things. I, I, I think there is. I think that... I, I believe that that viewpoint works well. It does. Um, if, if, it di if I didn't believe that it didn't take the totality of Scripture and God's full plan and picture, that would be very easy for me to, to see um, because you can, you can explain it logically in a lot of different ways. However... I don't think that there's, I, I don't think that even premillennialism can get to the extreme that a kingdom builder and a, a victorious church, uh, you know, this, this prosperity gospel belief, the, the, the how deep and damaging that can go. And, you know, a lot of people will point out, you know, um, just different um, examples. Like they'll try to say, well, look at um, IHOP, um, International House of Prayer, and Mike Bickle there. He's a premillennialist. Wrong. He's a historic premillennialist, which is vastly different from dispensational premillennialism, which. I will have podcasts revisiting these topics, but it's, it's very, very different. And that viewpoint of historic premillennialism adopts this, this teaching that, that churches like Bethel and now IHOP, they, they, it's, it allows them to bring that in and, and therefore they're teaching these things. So we as teachers have to be more discerning. I have an article here um, from Biola University. Um, it's, a, it's an excerpt here called A Reformation That Many Don't Realize They've Joined. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It's not very long, but uh, it's, it's, it's very good. It starts off, if you thought apostles and prophets only lived way back in Bible times and have long since disappeared, think again. 
Contemporary people calling themselves apostles and prophets have many followers. They are vigorously active in churches in the United States and throughout the world. Odds are some are even active in your own community. These men and women claim they have the God-given authority, divine strategies, and miraculous powers needed to advance God's earthly kingdom so that Christ can return. And they offer people a choice. If you submit to their leadership, then you too will work mighty miracles. You'll become part of a great end-time army that will bring about a world revival and cleanse the earth of evil by calling down hailstones, fire, and the other judgments of God described in the New Testament book of Revelation. If you do not submit to their leadership, then at the very least you will miss out on God's end-time plans. And if you actively oppose the apostles and prophets, then brace yourself for the fallout. Others must be warned that you are the pawn of a powerful demon known as the spirit of religion. This may sound radical and unappealing, but the new apostolic reformation is growing rapidly. In the United States, it began taking off in the 1980s and 90s when prophets and apostles started showing up in churches. Today, about 3 million people in the United States attend churches that openly embrace NAR apostles and prophets. And that number doesn't include the many Pentecostal and charismatic churches that have not openly embraced these leaders. Yet they have been influenced by their teachings in, very, in varying degrees. People in these churches read best-selling books by NAR prophets like Rick Joyner's The Final Quest or the Apostle Bill Johnson's When Heaven Invades Earth. Or they use a new, wildly popular NAR Bible called the Passion Translation, produced by the Apostle Brian Simmons, who claims that Christ visited him personally and commissioned him to release this new translation. We don't see an issue with that immediately? Okay. And if we haven't yet mentioned NAR churches in other parts of the world where the movement is growing most swiftly, Africa, Asia, and Latin America. I can attest to this. It is happening. It is all over. All over in Africa. This is, ex this is what it, it's exploding. Is Everybody over there refers to each other as either an apostle, prophet. I mean, that's just the large majority. It's literally. Of, I mean, of it's what's insane. Over there. Just and I, I mean, I know this. Again, this is from personal experience. NAR leaders call their new movement apostolic because they claim to be restoring apostles and prophets to the church. And they call it a reformation because they say it will completely change the way church is done. And, it affects, and its effects will be greater than the 16th century Protestant Reformation. That's a bold claim. Yet many people who are part of this movement don't know it's called the New Apostolic Reformation. In fact, they may not even know that they are a part of any movement at all. And they may not be fully aware of all the extreme teachings associated with it. But they certainly know of and follow the teachings of men and women who believe they are apostles and prophets similar to the apostles of Christ and the Old Testament prophets, which is a huge issue. And to round out this point here on them, I mean... You go to International House of Prayer's website and Mike Bickle, for instance, 
And they have this question answered specifically. Is IHOP a part of the new apostolic reformation? And they run circles around saying, yes, but they say no. But when they, when they explain what it is, you're like, but yes, you are. Yeah, so that's it's exactly like you what you ask you're someone flat out, right? You know, if they're, it's like when somebody's caught, right? And you're right. like, so you run circles around outright answering it and backtrack and backpedal and like change your words. But it's like, but everything you just stood, you stood, you or said you stood for is that, but you're saying you're not that. You literally defined it in what you said. You said no. Yeah. And you defined it in this way, and then but you redefined know, it. But they had to put that together because now that we have coined this NAR term and people are hearing like, oh, wow, that's bad. Like you read it and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, absolutely. No, not that. And then it's like, wait a second, but you're that. Well, you see, you know what I mean? It's like a, po a politician answering a question is what they're doing. And see, anybody who is truly... Dispensa is a dispensational premillennialist who truly is is basically a sessionist that does not believe that prophecy, the the healing, these things, these are related to the present modern day church and that they continue. They we believe that they have ended in large. Any premillennial dispensationalist believes that. Now, the other side will tell you differently. They say, well, the only way that this works is from the worst. And I've, again, this is from personal experience. Uh, I've seen the, the accusation for premillennialists come saying that I have not seen a bigger heresy and stuff like, you know, um, like Bethel and, and Elevation and all these things. Only premillennialism will get you there. I'm like, wait, how does premillennialism get you there? But then you realize that they have embraced this, these titles of apostles, prophets, a lot of these teachings, and going, you don't even realize what it is that you are teaching or what you actually believe. You don't even understand any of these things. And that's where, these, that's where this realization comes from, and this is where we have to be as shepherds. We have got to be more discerning of these things and it's not okay and and that's what the aim of this podcast series is going to be is just exposing the road of how we ultimately get to the root of this i mean this is what where we get to with this and and i'm not looking to blame it on a side however the extreme of replacement theology the 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 extreme of kingdom now theology which is pretty much one and the same they're two separate terms that we'll have to um revisit i've i've you know uh gone over them before but again i'll re do some more podcasts revisiting them um but the only way that that truly works is to believe that you are truly advancing the kingdom it's something that we have the ability to do Premillennialism doesn't offer you that ability. We know that Christ is bringing this kingdom, and the kingdom that that um, you know that we believe that the or the that the other side would believe is not the kingdom that that we're in currently. And so there's 
there's I would look at somebody that says that they're building the kingdom and and and, and chuckle at them. Um, and I say, okay, you know, and it's such a ter- it's a term that you see thrown around. Oh, kingdom everywhere. builders! Everybody's it's, a kingdom I mean, builder, right? Oh, you know, man, just the advancement. Sorry, I'm throwing stuff. I'm so mad. Just the advancement of the kingdom and all these things, and it's like that's not what that's not what it means. That's not what it says. But okay. Sure. Um, okay. sure, you know, think of yourself victorious. I'm sure we absolutely can be the ones sure. to do that. Okay. Think of yourself victorious rather than reading Paul's words and understanding that you're going to be persecuted. Nothing's ever going to go your way, and you're not going to win any battles here. John MacArthur said it a few weeks ago. We don't win here. All of the postmillennialists just got all up in arms on it. Of course, I did a response to James White response on it. <laughs> You know, um, but I think that's where I, I wish that even people that hold to the, the legitimate biblical side of it, I wish they could realize that that truly is the birthplace of this. So it's, you know, we, we have to make these distinctions between these things and we have to not be okay. Now, is it post-millennialism's fault that... It's, you know, been invaded by these false, you know, because, you know, a person like Jeff Durbin or James White or something like that is not going to affirm any of these things that any of these people are saying. I mean, none of them, they wouldn't. And and that's kind of what James White's point was in his little clip that he did. Um, he said that I hope that MacArthur would see the difference between, you know, uh, somebody that's legitimately trying to do something versus somebody that's, um, you know, complete um, lunatic like Bill Johnson or, you know, which is, is Bethel or Mike Bickle and IHOP or, you know, any of these big name guys. Um, so, you know, I think that they need to recognize that that is the only way that that works and, and, you know, I think James White kind of led the way on that, um, the, you know, in, in separating himself from that. But to, to the side that I understand that I grew up in, you know, I, I grew up on the other side of this issue where any of this talk, whenever you say the word kingdom to me, my skin crawls. Because we don't do that. That's not our My kingdom is focus. not My kingdom of, is not this, of world. this world. So if we're talking about kingdom, and it's not, you know, the thousand-year reign, like future, whatever, then I want no part of it. Yeah, I'm like, why? Because it's not Christ. Like, of course, <laughs> God has this universal kingdom where the, everything is under his control, and he rules and sits on high and, and reigns over all. That's that's true. But this is not the kingdom that Christ is speaking of. Okay, Christ is bringing a literal kingdom. We are part of that kingdom. Amen. Yes. And we we enter into this, but that Christ is the one who build or brings it. We don't have anything to do with that. And nothing that we do here on earth can advance Christ's coming. And that's, 
I mean, that's what's the issue. Other than sharing the gospel, because it's until the fullness of the Gentiles, and I have no idea who that last individual is. So, so you bet your bottom dollar you I'm telling everybody dollar, about telling it. Everybody <laughs> about it, you know, because I'm not, you know, I, I so absolutely that in that whatever you have to say about somebody that 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 says that, I mean, we have the we have the obligation to share the gospel in quickly because we believe that the kingdom is at hand. We believe that this is something that is coming is 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 coming quickly believe that he's coming to fulfill these these kingdom promises so that being said that's you know that separates us you know quite quite in a big way obviously um so when we bring in these teachers like that that go against everything that we believe as i said calvary chapel has gone over to that and done that as i said they hold premillennial theology in the way that christ is coming to rapture his church before the tribulation period and he will bring a literal kingdom to earth after the tribulation. So this is what their basic theology and their basic teachings teach. Yet, so many of their pastors and so much of their theology, especially nowadays, is filled with this idea that we're blessed and we're advancing this kingdom and we're moving forward and we're saying these things. And that's not biblical at all. Matter of fact, that goes against everything that at your core you claim to believe. I just, I can't believe some of the things that I've seen and that I've heard from them specifically. And where this leads to is dangerous, and this is why this is important. This is going to be why it is not okay to just sing their songs, even if, even if, they might sort of kind of be kind of be theologically and, correct. Well, yeah, because just because that one song might not be outwardly like blatantly heretical doesn't mean that it's like, okay, cool. We're good. Right? right. Like if I said, okay, but your husband isn't physically cheating on you he's just you know what i mean like we could do that you'd be like but jesus says that a thought is it okay well jesus also says have nothing to do with people yeah, and, who do and these things and this isn't up to this isn't up to everybody's thoughts or opinions it doesn't matter how you were raised it doesn't even matter if your pastor what your pastor says is if he's not teaching biblical truth it's not biblical truth 
So it doesn't, it does not matter how you feel, what you think doctrine and these things are important. There is no, there is no leeway on this. There's these things that are outright heresy and go outright that are di a different Christ are something that is not okay to even include anywhere in it. And I didn't realize, and this is the problem that I have, and I think that MacArthur has too with most of, of premillennialism, is that it's just this, it's, they've almost adapted this prosperity type attitude where they, they feel victorious and blessed. And it's not this like, uh, you know, they, they, you're going, Paul, we promise persecution. We promise that these false teachings and teachers will be invade our churches. They will, they come in the way of demonic spirits as first John tells us. Yeah, I mean, they come in this way. And, and, and they will absolutely invade everything. And yet the church these days, we embrace it as opposed to fighting it off and not realizing that in, in, in you know, it's not biblically accurate. When we sit down and look at these things, again, this is from personal experience. Somebody sent to me that this idea of continued repent repentance is not biblical. And I'm like, wait a minute. First, we have to define the word repentance. But yet, nobody can do that. And this is a foundational part of our understanding. And the fact that we can't even identify the word repentance and turning and this idea of, uh, of turning uh, and obviously having a mind change as well and realizing that it has a, a, a very broad meaning, that it's very important to understand its broad meaning and it's, it's understanding all meaning of it. It's, it's important to it, but we don't. And so when you don't, that opens the door for everybody to learn their own path and at their own speed. And while it, that's a, there's certain truth to that, there's still a non-legalistic standard here that we have to keep and that we have to go by. It's called God's word. And that's, and it's not this men's doctrines and these ideas that the church has embraced and, and, and even have said these things. I listened to a pastor a few days ago. You know, we want to listen. We want to get rid of our, you know, traditions of men and our preconceived ideas of these things. And I'm like, okay. And then goes to, to present something that is completely not biblical. And I'm like, okay, you can't, it wasn't that it was, it wasn't that it was necessarily a false teaching. It just was not biblical, if that makes sense. Um, if it does, I, I think it does, um, because this, it, it, it was different. It was definitely different, uh, interpretation and presentation. Um, and it, it okay. So it was, a, but it, let's not call it a heresy or something. You know, let's, let's just say it was a false teaching. It was a misunderstood miss, you know, uneducated teaching, I guess. Yeah, because some things are blatantly right. heretical it, it, and go against it. It wasn't yeah. purposeful. It's just something that is so it's repeated ignorant. Yeah. and very ignorant. They, they say, let's just get rid of our traditions of men. 
And this is where a lot of the idea of like when you try to explain what what is, and I hate labels, I don't like the labels, but when you have to uh, explain what dispensationalism is, and people go, well, this is a, that's traditions of men, doctrines of men, and this is some man made this up. And it's like, no, they didn't. This is this is common sense biblical interpretation. It's just interpretation to the of, line of, of things. Like you say, Charlotte Mason, right? And homeschool moms know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not. Be, and that's just because that's the term that is describing the method, right? Correct. So when you have a term like you would with math, or, or I mean, any other logic, reasoning, you can go through anything else, classical. You know, it's just that's just the term that is telling you, hey, that term means making a consistent interpretation and understanding of the text based in its context. That's what right. it means. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, it. and part of that is understanding both views that can be interpreted out of this. Cause I'm going to narrow it down to two. So in part of that, and that's what the, the, the confusion that the other side happens is you automatically assume that I don't know anything about your argument or anything about what you're saying. Cause I'll just, and especially with this and especially the shallow doctrine that, that, that Calvary chapels preach now. I mean, when it comes to something like this, no, you're wrong. Cause Jesus told me I'm victorious. And you know, and it's like this, where this is coming from and it's, but you have no, no basis to this, but yet to destroy, you know, an educated process, which Paul tells us to rightly divide scripture Man, you would blow you would you blow people's minds when you go, hey, guess what? Nowhere in any of the the New Testament books or anything are you gonna you gonna find that this is gonna be up to your own interpretation, and that, that there's not certain ways that we have to understand and interpret these things and understand the false ideas that will come in and come around. Like, guess what? All of that is in there. The problem is, is you just don't know how to read it. Or you don't read it at all. You read verses and plans. And this is the, the issue with these Bible plans that I have. You read four verses out of every book in the Bible just to keep some sort of idea of you, you know, being uh, happy and joyful throughout the day. But you don't really get any meat or understanding of the text or even, you know, I mean, you can't take the good parts out of a letter and just make your your ideas about somebody or something off of that in every other situation or scenario that would be insane you know you can't you 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 can't take a letter from you know jeffrey dahmer and and pull out the you know I and love i'm sorry you and that like, all oh, of man, our a... all of our scenarios just go to some type of serial killer <laughs> but i mean <laughs> that's we both like, used it so but far. i mean that's like the worst thing that i can think of exactly right? like, exactly yeah, you maybe says something that we know too much about all the serial killers but you can't, you can't take him saying i love you as oh exactly. look at how much of a loving caring He's individual so he is sweet like, no it's jeffrey stinking Dahmer. Like, do what? not talk Whoa. to that guy like read the whole thing like, yes you're gonna want like, some context you know, there yeah or you know i could think of a hundred different you know um examples but um you know it's it's just it's these these things are so so important and to pass them off as doctrines of men and, and to to do that is just extremely ignorant and it's really it's leading people into false teachings and it leads people into false ideas and this is what i deal with consistently on a daily basis and that's where i said i'm looking so forward to 
you know, finishing out this podcast series because um, I know how it's affected people. I know where their confusion comes from. And these people are having to relearn simple, basic, orthodox Christianity all over again. Not even, not even, you know, eschatology in the, in the way of, you know, I, I'm not even talking about prophecy. And I'm just talking about all of the foundational principles that we can, we can agree on. Salvation, baptism, you know, communion, um, the, the divinity, you know, the, the trinity, the, these just foundational things. These are things they don't understand. And their doctrines are so messed up that this is the reason why they end up walking away. And this is why we're so excited to have asked our friends to come on and do this as a podcast with us because literally every time, I mean, this is over the past couple of years that they're like, no, you guys have no idea what it's like. They, they control all of Reading. Like, like the, the day to day, what happens is insanity. And yes, we're talking about Bethel specifically, but we know. Well, you gave from... up the angle, but it's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what you started it talking yeah. about. I mean, too. But I mean, but we just know that too, because we look at, although the church in which we were raised in is not the scope and scale that Bethel is, it's very similar to that. And to this day, the town control or the, the town is controlled by the church and all of these things that happen. And so we have seen, even though we're not at the scale of Reading, we have seen most, not only in what you deal with as a pastor of a church all the time, but so many that we grew up with that either have completely walked away, will not touch Christianity with a 700 foot pole, right? Like just absolutely have nothing to do with anything or the few that have actually found truth. You know what I mean? Like going from a church that just twists and really, you know, messes up a lot of this stuff. People usually, unfortunately though, end up just walking away and then have nothing to do with it. And we act like it's not a big deal because, well, they have good music. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, really? that's, and that's my and <laughs> How that's, does this not and that's my message. And this is what um I'll end on Second Timothy three. Because this is the message to these teachers, to these shepherds, to these you know, that you need to be more discerning. You need to be more studied, more concerned about what we're doing here because this leads into dangerous directions and we were warned about this and i think the the best example to end this on is going to be in second timothy chapter three starting but understand this that in the last days there will be come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's important because that doesn't just mean pleasure as 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 you think 
It's just, oh, I'm just going to, you know, pleasure. I love drinking, so I'm just going to go into my pleasures. Or I love sleeping around, so I'm just going to go do that. No, that doesn't necessarily only mean that. That could mean I love the pleasures of good doctrine, and I don't want to hear the hard stuff. Lovers of the idea. It, I, I didn't say it didn't mean that. I said it doesn't just mean that. Lovers of pleasure, lovers of the good things rather than lovers of God. Anything is okay in its season, but you love this pleasure and you love the good more than you love the Lord. You love what he has to offer you. But verse 5, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. It's very important, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid is a very clear word. If you're driving on the interstate and there's a sign that says avoid this object in the road, you're going to avoid it. Go where, nowhere near it. It's a hazard. Avoid such people. From among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning but never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, this is the really important part, you know, when Paul says, you, like, hey, you're not like those other people. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. See how important this is? You, however, have followed my teaching, which Paul acknowledges is not his own, but Christ's in his written word, not outside of it, not loving pleasure, but loving truth. My conduct, how he lives it out, in my aim in life my goal what i care about what i wake up for my faith continuing on my patience my love my steadfastness in verse 11 my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at antioch iconium and lystra which persecutions i endured yet from them all the lord rescued me did you see that? I mean, this is, again, I don't mean to go into preaching here, but I have to. He endured persecutions, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. He still went through the persecutions. Yet from them all, all the Lord rescued me. Even though he went through them, the Lord rescued him. 
That's interesting. Think about that. 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. He doesn't say some. He doesn't say sometimes. It's all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, again, there's that break, continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. A commissioned apostle like Paul and Peter and James, Jude, Matthew, Luke, whoever, and how from childhood you have been acquainted in verse 15 with the sacred writings. The sacred writings, this is the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We believe the Old or we believe the New Testament because of the Old Testament, not, not vice versa. John MacArthur says that without the Old Testament, there's no way that I could believe the New Testament. And I am completely with him on that. There is no possible way that I could believe anything that I read in the New Testament if it was not for the Old Testament. And the Old Testament certainly tells the story of Christ. A Jew will hold a knife to your throat if you say that. These are some of the persecutions that Paul himself dealt with and why they continue this day to consider Paul a heretic and a blasphemer and a, uh, lots of, of things that they say about him. To this day. But continuing on in verse 16, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This is specifically to the teachers. And then continuing in chapter 4, he says, I charge you in verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. There's a rapture in the kingdom, but verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, no matter what. Reprove, rebuke, and extort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul could not be any more clear in the warning that there is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching but want to listen and have itching ears to the things that they want to hear that suit their own passions. 
this is where it leads. And it leads to a place of incomplete un I mean I it's just it's ungodly form of a religious cult. I I, I don't even know the words to to put together to use with the damage it does not only to people and or or even how to completely label it. It's it's garbage. Complete garbage. And it's something that you need, we all need to be more discerning on, on letting in and understand that this is the very stuff that Paul is talking about. So look forward to uh, the rest of these podcasts. Um, next one will go into uh, a little bit more of defining the new apostolic reformation, revisiting that again, and then we will have the uh, Bethel interview for you. So look forward to doing that and we'll see you guys then see you then guys